Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and thanks for joining me on The Paddock and the Pavilion, probably the only podcast in the world which covers cricket and horse racing. Well, today I have the perfect guest for you. Kim Bailey is a leading national hunt trainer who loves the game of cricket. He even got out of the water this summer to watch the ashes on TV. Check out his day out fishing with Nicky Henderson. In this episode, you'll hear about his passion for the turf and the bat and ball his thoughts on the ashes, which he covered regularly in his daily Bailey's blog, how jump racing has changed since he started training in 1978, plus his memories of victories in the big three, the Champion Hurdle, the Cheltenham Gold Cup and the Grand National. It's a treat for followers of both codes as the experienced trainer prepares for the national hunt season to move into top gear. Before we hear from Kim, I would like to hear from you all around the world. The show has recently gained listeners from Portugal, Uganda and the UAE. Contact me via social media, email thepaddockandthepavilion at gmail.com or contact me via my new website www.stephenwallacemedia.com to let me know why you enjoy the podcast, where I aim to find the inspiring stories. But let's start by hearing about Kim's love of cricket. Good morning, Kim. Thanks for joining me on the Paddock and the Pavilion. Great pleasure. Well, you've trained the winner of the Grand National, the Cheltenham Gold Cup and the Champion Hurdle. But to begin with, we're going to talk about your love of the game of cricket. How did that all start? Well, it started at a very early age because um, um, I went to, I, I was brought up in Essex. Um, my father used to play a bit of cricket. Um, and I uh, was coached um, very early on by the cricket um, academy at that time in, in, in Chelmsford. Um, and uh, not that I remember a huge amount about it, but we had quite a good spin bowler at the time, old Essex did, who'd coached me. And I can't remember his name. I went to look it up, really. But uh, So that was how I started. But then I went on to school and played for the schools. Every school I played for, um, I I. I, I um, I um, uh, I was always a middle order batsman who hit the ball quite hard, and and at prep school I was an opening bowler. Um, I was also captain of my prep school, um, and then I went on from there, and I, I gave up the idea of being a fast bowler because I was far too idle. So I became a slow, slow spin bowler, which um, was actually in time was more rewarding. But I was the only person probably to get wickets who never spun a ball his entire life. So who are your early cricket in heroes? Well, Colin Bland was my 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 very early cricketing hero, and I remember going to 
<clears throat> I remember going to the Oval um, and Lords to watch him play for the South Africans all those years ago, um, and going to watch him practice um, throwing up one stump. Um, and I just always remember that as being the most extraordinary thing. You know, these balls were thrown through in different directions, and you know he'd run in uh, at great speed and have one stump to aim at. And nine nine times out of ten, he hit the bloody thing, which I thought was absolutely staggering. Um, a remarkable player. What was your fielding like? Um, um, if you could ask Oliver Sherwood, who was my captain for quite a long time, pretty moderate. <laughs> I was never very athletic, and I, I ended up from going from the outside of the field to the inside of the field for the very simple reason. Uh, my reactions were fairly good in slip, and um, but I was far too idle to run too far when I was going for a catch in the boundary. So did you play a bit of club cricket, and, and the trainers have an 11 as well? Well, Oliver Sherwood and I uh, were involved in a, um, a Lambourne cricket for the best part of 25 years, I think, probably, um, in, the, in the wonderful days when Sunday racing didn't exist. Um, so every Sunday during the summer, we played cricket of some description. And we played some quite good cricket. We played, um, you know, like of um, Warwickshire seconds. and But obviously the big needle match every year was the match between Newmarket and Lambourne. Um, and it was really a question, A, whether you got picked and whether you had enough ringers to find out that you could actually go and beat the opposition. And as I'm sure you're well aware, there's one or two very famous cricketers who actually live in Newmarket, who uh, I think over the years have played the odd game as a member of the stable staff. You enjoy oh, yeah, playing the game? I love it. It's a great game to play. And I'm really sad I don't play anymore. You certainly followed the Ashes through the um, Bailey's blog, uh, your, up, your daily updates. Did you get to see any of it live this summer? I did. I went to, I had two days at Lords. I had a couple of days at Edgbaston, Um and I was meant to go to the last day of the Oval. Um, <clears throat> but unfortunately, Nicky Henderson made a cock up on his dates for fishing. So I went fishing instead. And the decision was made two days before the last day of the Oval. And actually, I look at the weather forecast on the Saturday for the Monday, the chance of play was non-existent. So I felt quite relieved that I wasn't, uh, wasn't going. Of course, then I had to get out the river to watch the whole, whole game because at the end of it, it was the most exciting last day of a test match thing I've ever seen. And do you like baseball? I think it's been a great uh, it's been a great inception because at the end of it, I I I grew up watching boycott and various other bores to tears, um, sitting in there and getting one run in an hour, um, and it's just made the whole game more exciting. The fact that you've had a summer like we've had this year, when you've had you know virtually every Test match has gone to five days, every day's been a been a sellout, um, has got to be unbelievably good for the sport, and it's got a great deal more people into the interest of sport by the fact it's been so exciting. Did you think it was a, a fair result to all? Um, I'm like every English person would say we should have won the first two tests, but uh, we certainly should have won the, the first one. Um, and uh, uh, a fair result was not a good idea, but on the end of it, um, um, it's just a shame that the, you know, the, the Australians held the ashes and take it home rather than it was here before then. So, But I think one has to look back and say it was a phenomenally good summer for English cricket. What were your personal highlights of the, the five-match series? Do you know there were so many? Um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, I think the last day with Broad doing what he was doing, you know, hitting his last six, getting the last wicket. Um, you know, he's a, I love watching fast bowlers. He's been an extraordinary... He, Ian Anderson have been an extraordinary pair for the sport and for the team um, and for him to go out and announce his retirement and go out the way he did which will be go down as history as the greatest retirement day of all time I would think and uh, Ben Stokes as a leader you admire him well I have nothing but admiration for him because I, I thought when he was originally picked he might not have been the ideal choice 
Um, and Paul Chap was having a lot of issues at that particular moment in time. But he and McCullough have set up such a good relationship. Um, uh, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's been able to read the situation, um, and he's made a few decisions that quite a few people might not agree with. Um, obviously, declaring early on the first, you know, the, during the first first series. Um, uh, but at the end of it, you have to make ch- you take chances to win matches, and, and uh, I think he's been brilliant for the sport, and uh, he's been a, an absolute fantastic captain. I can tell how much you love the game. Does going to the cricket uh, is it relaxing from the day to day training in the summer? Well, it's uh, it, put it this way: um, during the summer, the television's on when we have cricket, and I find every excuse to make sure that I'm back in the office enough times to be able to watch it. Um, and uh, if I can go, well, then um, you know I'm an MCC member, so I go to the MCC when I can go. Um, and uh, I, 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 you know, it's a, it's a. It's a it's a, the most enjoyable day to go, and I you know I meet up with friends and we go together. And it's good fun. We were talking off air. Your son is also a good player. Yeah, no, it's been really exciting. He's um, he's uh, he's done very well. He bowls. Um, he was a very good batsman when he was a you know prep school. Um, he scored over a hundred once and was captain for his prep school. Goes to Morven and then um, starts playing for Gloucestershire under fourteens, and 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 they turn him from being a batsman into a bowler. And he's now a very quick bowler, bowled at 82, 83 miles an hour. And uh, yeah, he's had a, he's now signed a contract or about to sign a contract to uh, play for Gloucestershire um, for the next two years, which is brilliant. And so I'm really proud of that. That'll give you an excuse to watch more cricket. It certainly will. Um, and um, you know, nothing, I, I always say to him that if he ever if he ever gets to play at Lords, um, he'll he'll need water wings because <clears throat> I would have drowned him out by the time he got as far as the wicket. Well, thanks for that chat on on cricket. I just wanted to talk a, a bit about racing. I mean, you've trained over fourteen hundred winners, the Gold Cup, the Champion Hurdle, and the Grand National. Which of those three wins gave you the most satisfaction? Well, I think uh, it, it, it's very hard to say which gave you the most satisfaction because they're all very satisfying. I think the most unlikely one was um, Alderbrook winning the Champion Hurdle. You know, I've always been a, a trainer who's preferred chasing than hurdling. So I never expected to ever have a horse good enough to win a champion hurdle. Um, and the fact that the horse was sent to me was a, was a big thrill. And, and to achieve what we achieved with him was even more extraordinary. Um, you know, it was, his, it was his third run over hurdles when he won the champion hurdle. Um, and uh, he was a novice. Um, uh, he, he, he was an extraordinary individual, um, a wonderful character and unbelievably tough. And uh, I think that has to be down at the three probably is the one that sticks in my mind as being the most memorable but for very different reasons and he came second uh, the following year yes he did and, and I, i've looked at that video so many times to work out how he managed to get beat but he did so very upsetting but of course uh, there's a lot of a lot of history behind the whole situation Greg bradley was meant to be riding at alderbrook um didn't turn up to school him the owner sacked him before he even sat on the horse and he get it on to ride uh, jim old's horse uh, Jim Old was underbidder on um, uh, Alderbrook, I think, when he was originally bought. And I think I was underbidder on Jim Old's horse. So um, the whole combination was a bit strange. And I'm thrilled for Jim that he went and beat me. But at the time, I probably wasn't. But uh, um, it was annoying not to win two champion hurdles. He, you know, he came out and won a Scottish champion hurdle after that as well. So he was a very, very good horse. You will always have the um, the winner of the Grand National with the fastest time, though, with Mr. Frisk. That'll never be broken because obviously the record, um, well, it, it, it's the past record now because the, ch- the race course has changed. It's now, it's now a different race course. It's slightly shorter. Um, and uh, so I suppose the new record is, is going to be set by somebody who 
is racing today, but I mean his record will never get beaten as such because at the end of it, it was a slightly a slightly you know, longer race it is today, and it was unbelievably quick ground. I mean it was like the it was like the proverbial road, and it certainly wouldn't be allowed to happen nowadays. Are those three races the the, the races you still aspire to win? Well, I think you. I mean, if you're if you're if you're into your into your sport and you're into national hunt racing, the, the Gold Cup is the pinnacle because that's the, that's the the best of the best of the best. I mean, the Grand National is is an open ended handicap and a little bit of luck goes in it, but it's the one race that uh, over a period of time holds the most most the most the most um, accolades as far as the general public's concerned because it's the one race everybody's heard of. Um, and I go back many, many years when I was uh, in Sydney as an 18-stroke 19-year-old when I used to run a restaurant with a with a chap, and we used to sit there and talk about what we wanted to do in the future. Uh, mine was to win the Grand National. His was to own a chain of uh, restaurants, and when I won the Grand National, he just I got a letter which arrived to me. It just said, Kimbo, the train of the Grand National went to England. It took 10 days to arrive. Um, inside was a note saying, Dear Kim, I've only known one Kimbo. It must be your dreams come true. Many congratulations, Max Whitby. That's a good story. Yeah, he's and then we keep in touch bizarrely now. I had lunch with him a month ago, six weeks ago, when he was over over here, and he's done everything. He he's done more than what he hoped. I mean, he's made um, um, a lot of money. He's got uh, shares and eighty odd racehorses in Sydney. He's a member of the Sydney Jockey Club. You know, he was like me, a struggling 18, 19 year old trying to make a living in life or trying to work out where we're going to go. Um, I bored him to tears about racing, which is probably the reason why he got into it. You mentioned you've been training a long while. You started back in 1978. How much has it changed since those days? It's changed hugely. Um, it's changed um, in, in, in so many different ways. I mean, the, the, the first thing, that obviously, one has to sit there and think, well, now we have summer racing, which we didn't have before. So we now have a, we don't really have a season. Um, and, you know, beforehand, we used to sign off in the end of May and, and, and start again the first week in August. And, you know, everything closed down. People went on holiday. Stable staff had a holiday. Horses had a holiday. Jockeys had a holiday. And we came back with an awful lot of enthusiasm for the new season. Whether that's right or wrong, that's changed. I don't know. But having said that, these, these things have changed. Um, the quality of horse is definitely different. Um, you know, the gone are the days when the real, big old slow chaser was around we don't have those now many more horses to come out of the flat many more horses to be flat bred to go jumping um the quality of racing has improved the 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 the, the frame of the of the, uh, the program but it means it's very very hard to win you know a lot of races with a novice you know the likes of mr frisk won six seven races in his first season it's very hard to go and do that nowadays um you know you're framed out of it and and the former training and Martin Pipe has revolutionised everybody's attitude towards training. Um, I've got nothing but admiration for Martin Pipe for a man who went through went you know he he did make everybody sit up and think. Um, and why was he so successful? And it was the hill gallop that made him get his horses fit and everybody else. Um, and he went through that terrible cook report, which is one of the most crucifying things anybody could possibly have gone through. You know, it was the jealousy of the sport that made him. Um, to prove that he was, you know, as normal as everybody else, but you know, because he was so successful, people started questioning the fact that he was doing things he shouldn't do. Which we all know, in hindsight, he never did. And I think he was remarkable by the fact that he stuck by his principles and his belief, and actually carried on training without being, you know, hammered to the ground by the general public and the and the press at the time. So, um, I think we've become more open. I think the sport has definitely become 
um, more public orientated um, and we try our hardest now to get um, the general public behind us. We open our doors more often than we ever did before. Um, I think we've become more welcoming um, and communications in a, in, in a modern term has transformed what it was when I first started. And the stables have got so much bigger um, with Gordon Elliott, uh, Willie Mullins, uh, Skelton, Nichols and Henderson. Yeah, I, I, I think that's in many respects a slight downside because, uh, um, you know, when I worked when I worked in training, I worked for a chap called Fred Rymore. He was champion training. He had 60 horses. Uh, Fred Fred Winter has champion training. He had he he had sixty horses, um, and it was a it was a very good number. I, I, you know, I think I was absolutely hue and cry when suddenly announced that Arthur Stevenson had a hundred horses. No one thought, "Well, God, how the hell can he train a hundred horses?" Well, I mean, a hundred horses now is is a small yard. Um, I, I do worry that the sport's going to become you know a bit like the supermarket and the corner shop. I think Ireland's in a in a particularly difficult situation at the moment because Willie Mullins is so unbelievably good at his job. Everybody wants to have a horse with him. Then you've got him and Gordon Elliott and, and Henry de Bromhead. And then for, you know, outside that, there are some really good trainers who haven't got the horses they should do. Um, I think it's worrying for the sport. Um, and I think it's worrying when you see a novice chase in, uh, in Dublin with um, eight runners, of which seven trained by one, one trainer and, and one trained by another. That's not good for the sport. And I think if it happened over here in England, we'd actually start to sit up and say this is not good enough. How many horses have you now got at Thorndale? We'll have 65 horses in training this year. We have, um, so that's a nice number. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we, we, uh, I, I still enjoy the sport. And it's, it's a great way of, of, of getting about meeting people. And I love my, I love my horses. I always have done. And I find that I'm, I'm you know, it wouldn't be a bigger advocate than national racing than myself. I just, I, I'm a huge, huge supporter of the sport. Any horses we should look out for? Well, I've got, I've obviously got some named horses, the likes of First Flow, who's, you know, who's been an absolute gem for us. We were choose retirement sand down the end of last season. He ran such a good race, and when he finished second, um, and so, you know, he's got very few miles on the clock. He's, you know, he's eleven years old, but, and, uh, and so we'll keep him going for another season. But we've got some nice novices over fences, the things like Phantom Getaway, Chianti Classico, um, El Rio, some nice horses who got some decent hurdle form to go novice chasing. So I'm looking forward to them. So will first flow be aimed at the Peterborough chase again? He will indeed. Um, and um, um, we, the one thing we've learned that he, well, we've always known he has to go right-handed. He didn't quite get the two-mile six at, at Sandown. I think he's, he, he made a mistake at the last. I think his energy had run out by then. I think he'd come to the end of his, his tether as far as that was concerned. It was still a phenomenal run. Um, so two and a half miles is his ideal trip. Um, but I mean, you know, he has to go right-handed, and that's the biggest problem we have with him because it makes it very difficult. We can't, you know, Cheltenham's a non-starter for him. Although he's run at Cheltenham twice in the past, he, he doesn't go left-handed. So um, um, we just have to buy that buy that chance and try and find some races for him to run in and hope the conditions are suitable. Because he's won the Peterborough Chase in 2021. I think he was third last year. Yeah, he did a remarkable job last year because the ground was too quick for him. Um, and, uh, you know, if he if he had the soft ground that he had the season before, it would have been more suitable for him. But... Uh, you know, he's getting on a bit. There are some young pretenders coming through. It's going to be difficult for him. But, uh, you know, I hope that we can win a race for him um, and this season and retire him on a happy note. Um, and, and, you know, that he can have a nice race, nice life after racing, which, you know, I know people are queuing up to have him if he does. You said you mentioned that you'd worked with Fred Rymer. I was going to ask you, how good is Constitution Hill compared to the sort of golden era of Comedy of Errors, Lanzarote, Night Nurse, Sea Pigeon, Monksfield? 
Well, uh, it's very, very hard to compare the two because, or the pair, pair the three or four, really, because I mean, Constantine Hill is, is, is certainly today's revelation. I mean, he's quite extraordinary what he's achieved. And I'm one of many trainers who saw him when he was at the sales and, and, and like everybody else, was rather horrified by the way they looked. And um, and I, I walked away from him. We all had a chance to go and buy him. Um, Nicky Henderson did. Um, and uh, look what he's produced. Is he as good as Constitute? Is he, is he as good as the ones in the past? They were all good in their day. Um, I mean, I, I was very close to involved with Comedy of Errors. You know, this Comedy of Errors was 17-2. He was a monster of a horse. Um, he was very, very good. I mean, he won he won um, two champion hurdles. We've got to remember see who then won three champion hurdles. So, um, and I think the Constitution will go chasing probably this season. Um, and he'll never be in a, you'll never be able to say, was he a, the supreme champion hurdle of the past? But I think he's, he could be the, he is um, the horse of the future. You think he will go chasing this year then? Yeah. I think they must be terribly tempted, really, because at the end of it, that's what they originally bought him for. Um, and uh, I think I think everyone's very surprised by what he's achieved over hurdles. Um, he, I, I don't know whether the decision's been made. Certainly when I went on ha- holiday with Nicky, he never mentioned it. I never asked him. So uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, whatever, fear, whatever sphere he runs in, chasing or hurdling, he's going to be hard, hard, very hard to beat. Talking about famous horses, I've got a special question for you here. If you could train any horse and go back in history, who would it be and why? Um, do you know, I think it might be something like Sea Pigeon, um, who was the most versatile horse. He was a very good flat horse and a very good jumper. Um, uh, Peter Eastby was a genius for trainer. Um, you know, the, the, uh, who can forget him and um, John Jennial coming up the hill? Um, and again, with Dawn Run, I suppose, another really, but... Uh, uh, those horses of the past, they live in the memory. You know, I remember every single race they ran in, so therefore it's very easy for me to compare them to what happens today. But they, they hold memories for so many people. Um, I, I did see Arkle, but only from a, from a, from about four and a half inches off the ground because I was young enough not ready to see it. But uh, we've been lucky as a sport. We've had some good horses over the past and, and you know, the current thing and, and, the, and the racing post about you know these champions the you know the Corto star there have been so many good horses over the years but i don't know super jim was, a, was an extraordinary horse a different horse i read and you'll hopefully confirm or deny this did did you really get four in Avon in a sweepstake as a 14 year old in 1967 i most certainly did and and um i don't know amazing how you got all that information um, and bizarrely, we had Johnny Bucky. My dad used to train a few horses, and Johnny Bucky used to come and ride out. So he came and rode out for us the week before we hit the Grand National. And you know, he was joking, man. It was a complete waste of time going up there. So uh, then, when I drew him in the sweepstake, there's neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, so we watched it with great interest, and we knew Johnny Bucky and well. So it was a, it was a great thing to be involved in. And I shall never forget, forget watching that race. That was quite a lot of money to win as a 14 year old, I think. It was a lot of money to win as a 14 year old, yeah. And uh, um, it, it's, um, it dis- as you can imagine, it disappeared into my bank account for a while. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Kim, very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion. You're, you're the perfect guest, really. We've got someone who loves cricket and is also a, a successful horse racing trainer. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's been a, been a joy to talk about you. Podcast Network.